Hey, welcome to number 87. Let's get it going. Let the good times roll. Man, how many times have I said that? 87 times now. Man, 13 away from 100. I'm so freaking excited. And uh, with me for a long time, uh, they've been with me since pretty much the beginning, Scofflaw Brewing Company. This episode, once again, brought to you by them. Love my people at Scofflaw. Such a great partner to have. And they got their third anniversary happening this Saturday at the brewery. Uh, Three years strong, man. And they've grown more than most breweries do in 10 years. In just a matter of three, uh, get over there. It's going to be a full day of a lot of fun. I believe Matt said they are holding a three-point shooting contest, and the winner of that is going to get a free case of Scofflaw beer for a year. Uh, Matt's always doing really cool stuff. They got a lot of cool new beers, always tapping substance. So get over there to the third anniversary on Saturday uh, and check it out, man. Love Scofflaw. Thank you. And this episode, in part, brought to you by the CEO a great touring rock band out of Atlanta. They're sponsoring for the month of September. And they're playing a show September 20th in Charlotte, North Carolina, opening for 10 years. Awesome rock band. Uh, get over there if you uh, have never seen the CEO. 10 years is playing. Like I said, they're headlining. Uh, not, a, not a bad drive over to Charlotte, North Carolina. The CEO, great group of guys. And you know what? Let's check out a song of theirs. This is, real quick, uh, we will play Today is the Day by the CEO.
That was Today is the Day by the CEO. Love those guys, man. First time I met them, we had drinks at Scofflaw, and then we had some uh, fancy steaks over at Chops. Great dudes. Love that they're sponsoring for the month. All right, let's get this episode going. Scott Poitras, amazing actor here in Atlanta, uh, is my special guest today. Great conversation with Scott. You know, everything will be in the description of what we talk about. But I love being in the acting scene here in Atlanta, getting to know all these great people. I got uh, a couple more actors coming on at the end of the month, so stay tuned for that. Great episodes with them. And I got an announcement to make. Can't make it till it's finalized, uh, something with the podcast, but when I can, I can't wait to do it. All right, number 87 of the Scoat Podcast featuring Scott Poitras as my special guest starts now. Step into my world. I'm psyched. Let's go. Now you're turning into the Scoat Podcast. And we're going. All right, so let's see. Hope these aren't frozen. <laughs> Have you ever had a scofflaw? I'm a big fan of the basement IPA. Yeah. Uh, there's another one. And I like hoppy. So they had another one. I think it was something. Oh, appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, sir. I haven't eaten today, and I just got off the Peloton. It's noon. I'm starting with a... You know, there's, there's actually an article I read. Oh. Seven. Seven percent. <laughs> This you're, be kicking, fine. you're kicking ass, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I heard, I read an article that uh, one beer after your workout is sometimes better than a protein shake. <laughs> and I, I read enough references. I would consider the source. Who said? Who uh, oh, oh, it was a Maxim and Bro Bible article. So it wasn't a raging alcoholic. <laughs> it was just trying to get you. To get Some guys like I think it's I think it's beneficial. It's like all these things coming out right now. Like one article will come out and says, hey. For a long, like, like a 105-year-old to be like, I drink a beer every day. That's how I lived a long life. You know, I had one beer at the end of every day. And then one article will come out and say, hey, if you drink beer, you're dead tomorrow. <laughs> it's like the internet has made us so scared and goes so back and forth on it's things. It's true. That, you always have to consider the source because people yeah. will manipulate it to whatever their agenda yeah. is. I mean, anybody can put anything on the internet and say that it's true. And you'll be like, oh, my gosh. And, and Most uh, people don't even read. So they'll just read the, the headline. Share and not check any of the sources. It's like Never. the it was like the thing that went around on uh, Instagram. It, everyone was reposting it. I do not give Instagram permission to use my oh, yeah. photos. Facebook was doing that for years, oh, and all these people were reposting it and like doing the captions. Like I don't give Instagram my permission, and I'm like, you guys are fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> it just turns into you know meme wars, which are funny to watch. It just and go down a thread of people making fun of each other for either believing it or not. I think for both of us in the entertainment business, it was almost more fun before the internet. Definitely got away with stuff. I can't imagine yeah. kids in high school these days and the pressure they have to deal with, just constantly monitored. You're constantly reachable. I grew up, I'm in Charleston. We moved from Charleston to here in 1981. Um, so I've seen, you know, the AOL dial-up discs that we got in the mail first mm -hmm. and then, you know, can't use the phone at the same time. Kids have no idea what that means. Oh, it's, dude, it's I'm crazy. I'm, I don't know how old you are. I'm 43, so I mean, I'm I've 30. seen like 
all of it. Yeah. It's nuts. Just turned 30 in, uh, in June. And um, you yeah. It. You what? You made it. Congratulations. I made it. I'm here. Yes. That's the water bottle. That's the <laughs> I actually <laughs> love being in my 30s. I love being in my 40s. But I, but I wake up some mornings and I'm like, all right, where did this shoulder pain come from? How did I get that <laughs> lower back pain? I didn't do shit yeah. to, to get this, but why I like, did you? I like surprise hairs. Like, <laughs> there was no hair there yesterday. Why is there hair there? No, I keep going. I'm losing uh, it where I want it. Yeah, I'm, lo I'm losing it where I want it. I'm like, shit. <laughs> this sucks. I used to have a, a full head of hair. It was a thick mop and it was just wavy. And now I'm like. Energy for days. <laughs> yeah. I'm, now I'm, I'm drinking at noon. <laughs> Where have you gone downhill, Scott? Where has it all gone? Uh, <coughs> Excuse me. Dude, I, so you grew up in Charleston. You lived in Charleston. Uh, until 1981, I was five when we moved. So I grew up essentially in Marietta, Atlanta. I love Charleston. It's beautiful, man. I've been back a couple times since then. I mean, we grew up on the Isle of Palms in Mount Pleasant. So there's, I mean, we knew our neighbors, you know, cookouts every day. We would do the, the neighborhood Halloween houses that they would build, all the kids. I mean, I... Just ride your bike until it's dark and your mom's yelling for you. Obviously, you lived in Charleston before it was like exploded it's down. Yeah, it's crazy down there now. And now it's like uh, expensive. Like, yeah, and there's like an area. It looks like you're walking through New York City with all like the shops down there, like the Dior and yeah, all that. I'm like, man, this is. And then you get on the outer skirts. I like the outer skirts of Charleston. It's cool. Um, John's Island. Um, a couple other islands right around there. Um, it's, it's beautiful. Mm. So, are you a camper? Do you like to camp? I did in high school and some in college. Definitely not. I don't do it <laughs> these days. I I would. So uh, last night I went, my girlfriend and a bunch of her friends, they were camping at Lake Lanier. Beautiful spot, you know, right on the beach area. And it was really cool. And so I, I grew up in North Georgia in Blairsville. Okay, right? I know it. Yeah, Blair so I, yeah. yeah, we go up there once or twice yeah. a year. I grew up hunting, fishing, camping, and all that. Yeah. I've and I went camping last night. I hate camping now. I hate sleeping stay in a in tent. The car. You what? You stay in the car with a generator I, and your, oh, your iPhone. And dude, I want a airstream. <laughs> glamping. Yeah, <laughs> didn't you say glamper? Yeah. <laughs> like I want an airstream trailer. I can sleep in a bed. Uh, have, be a, cool. have a cup of coffee or have a coffee pot. Oh, I'm wake up this morning with like dirt all over me. Ants are calling <laughs> on my leg. My back's hurting from laying there. And like usually, most podcasts, like I looked like shit this morning. Like I mean, my my cl clothes clothes were covered in dirt. I smelled like shit. And like you know, most podcasts, I would have came in here and just done it. But you know, I was like, you know, Scott Poitras is coming in to talk if to me. If anybody gets asses on seats and ears <laughs> on the podcast, it's having Scott Poitras. <laughs> and so I went to Target and I bought like a big scrubber and soap and a new bath towel and went downstairs to our gym and just showered. Like spent like thirty minutes. <laughs> you did that for me. Thank you. I appreciate that. We're like four feet away, so I can't smell a thing. I was like, I'm going to give Scott at least 30% of my best. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, she's I'm like, glad you made it past Lake Lanier because it's like the deadliest spot in the world. It's crazy. You read these articles about Lanier and the people, there's like something insane. Don't quote me. Hundreds of people die every yeah. year. And I don't know if it's drinkers and boats and accidents, but they make it seem like the Grim Reaper literally lives at Lake Lanier and you will die if you go. So I'm glad you made it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It was, uh, it was, I did not even get crazy because I wanted to be fresh for you. So I kept it, I kept it, uh, cool last night with the drinking. Right on. Did I was you like, get in the water at all? No. That's I, where the death happens, I think. Well, my girlfriend goes, Jackson, let's go skinny dipping later tonight. And, uh, and Lanier, hard pass. <laughs> hard pass. Hard pass. I'm not, I go, babe, I am not going skinny dipping in Lake Lanier. It's <laughs> <laughs> bitch black. <laughs> Nope. Absolutely not. I go, we are not in our 20s anymore. We are in our 30s. Let's right. act like we're in our 30s right now. <laughs> but then, 
And then there was a story I read where four 80-year-old guys and an 85-year-old woman were arrested because they were all having an orgy in a field somewhere. <laughs> uh, near Lanier? No, no, it's just, just like, a random story. And I was like, <laughs> all right, it never goes away. You can still do it. Yeah. I know. Good for them. I mean, yeah. And they got arrested. I was like, if I was the cop, I just would have, I would give them a clap. And, you know, Seriously, hey, I'd give a round of applause. Yeah, I mean. Slow yeah. golf clap. <laughs> well done. Well like, done, You go guys. about your business. Seriously. You go about your business. If you're 80 years old and you're that, you're that adventurous, you deserve it. <laughs> Somebody must have called him in or something. That's, that's pretty lame. You said uh, you live over in Decatur, right? Yeah, you know where the East Lake Golf Course is? Yeah. We're near there. Have you ever been to Butter and Cream? No, downtown Decatur, but I yeah. pass it all the time. Oh, I just assumed it was like a dessert spot. It is. Oh, so it's pretty good? But, and I'm not a big sweets person, but that is the best ice cream ever. Okay. It's phenomenal. Try. And uh, I love downtown Decatur. I don't get over it's there cool. a lot just because it's, it's, just cause it's out of the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah I, I live in Buckhead. Okay. And uh only reason I live in Buckhead is because it's central to everything. Like, cause I MC a lot of concerts, and I'll be, I'll go down to like Emmett Park, or I'll go over to Brookhaven. So it's just central. Yeah, for sure. I hate and your work is here. Yeah, I mean, we are, we run the studio, and that's in Grant Park, so it's a fifteen minute. Yeah, Drama course. Inc. Yep, with uh, Jason McDonald and, and Catherine Dyer, yeah. his, his yeah. wife. Yep, and my wife Claire Brunson. Yeah. Four of us started it uh, June, twenty thirteen. And I bet that was just a bitch to start. Not really. We had a couple <laughs> angel investors who gave us money, and we just had to find a, uh, a commercial space. That would accommodate what we needed to do, but we don't have product. You know, we we deal with actors and education, so we kind of do it anywhere. But we love that location; it's worked out really great. And now the Beltline's literally being built in the back of our parking lot. Oh wow! So that southeastern quadrant that's not finished yet—it's going to connect over to like uh, the other part of Grant Park. And there's uh, there's restaurants and breweries over there, and I can't think of the, the name of it. Not Scofflaw. <laughs> and what uh, what goes on in Drama Inc.? What is? Well, we've started with um, a handful of classes, like on-camera classes, basically trying to educate the actors of this market and give them something that we didn't get out of college. They kick you out of college with a BA or BFA in theater. You're like, good luck with life. <laughs> like, but <laughs> money, how do I make that? <laughs> do I just go get on stage somewhere? And if you do, you're going to end up paying to do it you know so um the film and tv market has obviously exploded here from the 80s and it disappeared then it came back in the 90s and now we're the feature production capital of the world here in georgia it's insane so there's so much work here so we're trying to empower and educate the actors of this market before they step on set to do a good job mm. so producers from la and new york wherever they're coming from will trust the local talent more with larger roles so it's not totally altruistic so we do on-camera classes we are thankfully grateful enough to have other teachers who excel in what they teach, like certain techniques that I'm not equipped to teach, whether it's Meisner, Chubbuck, uh, practical aesthetics, movement, improv. Um, my wife and I focus on scene study and script analysis. Mm -hmm. So we teach that ourselves in uh, advanced on-camera classes. Jason teaches uh, all sorts of workshops. Anyway, we've accidentally grown into a conservatory with, gosh, I don't even know. We have nine teachers on the staff with like eight interns. We've had over the years we've been open, probably about 4,000 students come through the doors. And you said, it's for, insane. It's you said for actors of your generation, you didn't have this available to you when, you, when you were coming out. Nothing. We had nothing. It's like, have we you, would have to drive to Wilmington because at the time I got out of school at, at UGA in 98, moved to LA for six months, lost everything. 
sold the car for parts for a plane ticket home. <laughs> that was the success story, my first success story in L.A. Um, and I guess in the early 2000s, uh, or no. Yeah, there was some, there was some stuff there uh, happening here in this market. I mean, and then my wife and I moved back to L.A. Um, 2007, 2009. And while we were there, housing market crashes. There's a never-ending SAG negotiations that were happening. The work was just kind of drying up, but it was kind of picking up here. So we had like Drop Dead Diva, Army Wise was shooting in Charleston. That hired so many actors in this market. But it was nothing like what we have right now. Nothing. It's yeah. insane. Alex Collins, <clears throat> when he came in, he yeah. was telling me about how self-taping or how before that you would have to drive to like uh where was it charlotte or wilmington or seven hours yeah each way to yeah. wilmington yeah just to do your one or two line co-star i would leave the car running in the parking lot <laughs> go into the finn cannon's office read my line for one tree hill or whatever it is thanks I, guys thanks for having me thank you back in the car drive to atlanta that was nuts self-taping is an absolute treasure it's fantastic because you would have to drive just, and then you'd have to go back if you got a call back, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. Often they would have you drive for a pre-read because they you can't send tape. It wasn't happening at the time. So yeah, you'd drive for a pre-read. Those bastards. Today Pray you so don't much. get a call back. Because <laughs> <laughs> be, it means 28 hours in the car to now, Wilmington. Like, you're driving seven hours for something that is not guaranteed at all. Not even remotely. Yeah. But at the same time, and at that time, there was a lot fewer actors reading for those roles. Mm -hmm. Now, with self-tape, it's great when we have access to so many more projects, but the net is exponentially wider. So they're casting they're casting out of Atlanta for Better Call Saul. That shoots in Albuquerque. Uh, stuff shooting in Baltimore, House of Cars, or stuff down in Florida now. But that net that they have to cast is just massive for self-tape. So they can see thousands of, of reads for a role. You'd have my gosh! How much money would you be spending on gas, like just to drive for that? I mean, I bet that that alone would take some actors out of the equation, just because totally. they can't pay for the gas to get up yeah. there. A lot of actors are, are lazy enough; they don't want to self tape. Like, <laughs> I have a self tape set up in the other room, but pants on. I have to memorize lines. Like you can kiss my ass. Give me that. I will take your opportunity. As there are some hungry actors out here, and they're moving from LA and New York weekly. When they come from those other cities, the first thing they do is get an apartment. Second thing they do is come audit a class, whether it's at our studio or somewhere else. They get in class, and they recognize that. So I think there's definitely some entitlement in Atlanta. Uh, it's gotten better, but yeah, for, for a good stretch, there was, um, it was like taking it for granted that all the work is here. So eventually, the work will just land in my lab. Mm. No. Don't talk to me about young 20s that feel entitled to things. The glamper over here? <laughs> <In the> gl <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is. Like, I mean, these, you know, today's generation, excluding you, Lindsay, you're a really hard worker. You know, you're great. Yeah, you're the best. Um, uh, they, they want it right away. They do. They, they think that there's not a process to go through. Mm -mm. And we didn't have this. We didn't have access no. to every piece of information you could ever want. At our fingertips right now. When I first started in radio, yeah. I mean, like, we had the shitty flip phones that would, like, would take you an hour to get on the internet. Oh, and yeah. the internet was, like, all scrambled and all that. Yeah. I mean, no, I didn't have any of that. Like, you'd have to... Texting on a QWERTY pad. Yeah. Like, or the, 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 what do you call it, the alphanumeric? Yeah, yeah. Punching it six, seven times to get to the letter P. Like, ah. I mean, back when you actually apply for jobs while, like, filling out things and going in person yeah. and... Uh, oh, yeah, it's so different nowadays. Oh, yeah. Kids want these things. Like, I worked, you know, two and a half years just to get the shift I have now on rock. 
you know, seven to midnight. I worked for three years for it. Mm-hmm. You know, worked a lot of free hours, paid a lot of dues. You just do things as they come. And, you know, it's so easy. And I heard it so many times and I almost passed it off. You know, they're like, hang in there, stay in your lane, put in the work and it'll pay off. Yeah, totally. And it's true. That 10,000 hours oh. thing. So... That's all I got. I, I couldn't expound on that because I, <laughs> you know, that the, yeah, the, the yeah, yeah. concept, right? Yeah. How how long were you an actor before you even got a role worth, like where you made any kind of real money? I've been doing it professionally for 28 years. So my first job, I was 15. It was for Chick-fil-A Industrial. That mm-hmm. was my first professional job. They paid me a hundred bucks to play a bad dancer on Wayne and Mel's Super Guys. And this was a training video that all new hires at Chick-fil-A would go down in the basement, pop the VHS tape and watch to learn about how to slice tomatoes correctly or whatever, you know, this. <laughs> and this one, oh my gosh, it was, it's atrocious. It's atrocious. But I could call myself a professional actor because I was, yeah, I just got paid to do it. So um, after that, the next substantial job that was um, like television, mm-hmm. television paid, paid well, paid scale, yeah. you know, um, it might've been Drop Dead Diva. I think that was my first co-star role. That's not true. Up in Santa Clarita, while we lived out in L.A., there was a reenactment show, um, like an investi- investigation discovery type thing, and I played some doctor. I can't remember the name of it, but that was that was my first. Yeah. And then you really got that break when you were in My Super Psycho Sweet 16 <laughs> too. <laughs> you saw that. You see that? <laughs> Jacob Gentry directed that. Jacob was my, one of my closest friends. We've been making movies together. God. Since uh, sophomore year of college, our first movie is called Requiem, mm-hmm. and I played the bald man, kind of a crime boss type thing. Um, but yeah, he got hired by MTV to do the whole trilogy, mm-hmm. Super Psycho, Sweet Sixteen. Those are actually those are pretty fun, and he brought me on to play a sleazy used car dealer in that second. <laughs> I always love every time I have an actor and bringing up like you know a really deep a deep cut of their that acting a deep, career. That like, is a deep dive. Like uh, Clayton Landy, I brought up Zombie Strippers, and he was just, yes. <laughs> congratulations to Clayton, by the way. He's our new uh, SAG after local president. Oh yeah, no, huge congratulations. I love Clayton. Oh, Clayton's awesome. He he came in here and he is like he won't. Not necessarily intimidate you, but like you feel like okay, this guy he's a presence. So like when he walks in, like you know, it's it yeah. it like you know, jean shirt, uh-huh. like he's got the jeans on, the earring, the glasses, yep. and he sits there. He's like, and he's this Brooklyn guy. And like I asked him throughout the interview, I was like, all right, Clayton, be honest, man, how long would I would I make it on the streets of Brooklyn? And he goes, no, bro, <laughs> no, you'll be a total bitch. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> And then like, no punches. And then, but it was a great conversation. Then before him, I had Rick Wrights and uh, Rick. Rick's a very good friend. Yeah. And Panuski, you had yeah, yeah, too, Panuski, right? yeah. Love him. Uh, good first, good the, people. All good Those, people. These are the trailblazers who who laid the foundation of what we all have access to. Um, Panuski, Rick Wright, Shay Griffin, um, Wilbur Fitzgerald. These these guys worded mm-hmm. and created the uh, tax incentives as we know them today. I had which a, brought the work here. Yeah. I had a funny uh, thing with Panuski. I go, you're the guy that who's like, you, people can't always like remember their name, but you see him in everything. Totally. Yeah. It's in Spaceballs. Yeah. I mean, I think Panuski's uh, one of the... Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. He's been, yeah. One of the prime examples of a working actor, I told totally. him. I go, you know, Ab- absolutely. Like, you know. Now he's working his butt off up in New York on, I think, on a couple of shows. Um, he was doing The Good Wife for a while. Um, there's a new one, but... 
can't think of what it's called, but he's been shooting up there for a while. And then, you know, this all started with, uh, oh, and this conversation on this podcast, it kind of goes everywhere. We we get off the rails, we'll talk something, and then we bring it back. You know, this could last. strictly professional the entire time so far. Oh, we get very unprofessional, trust me. I mean, me and... Uh, well, your pants, pants just came off. <laughs> like, me and Rick, we did two hours and 15 minutes, I think. No, damn. Yeah. And then Alex, we did, Alex Collins, we did like an hour and 50. Uh-huh. It just kind of goes, man, you know? And just shoot the shit. And um, what was it? Oh, this whole thing started with Michael Cole. Yep. So, like, you know, I had him on. He was like episode three of the... You're episode 87 uh, of the podcast. Wow. How long have you been doing this? Uh, two years. It's awesome. Uh, which I should be further along. I took a couple of months off here and there for certain yeah. things. I had, sometimes I would get burnt out or, you know, just got to take breaks every now and yeah. then. No, and no, then no, I lived no, outside no. of Atlanta for a while while I was in between apartments. Brooklyn? You know. Brooklyn? You're in Brooklyn. You go to Brooklyn? Outside of Atlanta? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> the Brooklyn of Atlanta? No, did you move to Brooklyn? I should move to Clayton's Brooklyn recommendation. just to prove wrong. <laughs> I should go there, like, you know, go to the streets of Brooklyn on the basketball court and do an Instagram story and be like, yo, Clayton. <laughs> And it was like right there, and then some guy with a gun, I'd be like, give me your wallet. Don't see my wallet. <laughs> can't do my podcast. <laughs> I do love New York, though. I do too, man. I, I would New York love to move to New York. Phenomenal. Yeah. One day I would love to like live and work there for a couple years. Mm-hmm. Would did, which one did you like better, L.A. or Atlanta? That's a tough call. I mean, I grew up in Atlanta. Atlanta is kind of where Atlanta's home. But I do. I love Los Angeles. Yeah. I love that city. It's, it's, where's, which traffic is worse? LA is worse. No. Atlanta's awful, though. Yeah. Well, what's, I've never been to LA. I've always wanted to go. Never been? No, I've been, I've yeah, been, check it out. Farthest I've been over that way is Vegas. I went there three times. Yeah, I've never I, been to Vegas. Really? I've driven past it up to like oh, Bakersfield. Yeah. Dude, I went to Vegas three times in a two month period in the summer of 2017. <laughs> I ended up dating a girl that I met out there. Really? She lived in Vegas? <laughs> yeah. It's so funny when you hear think of hear of people living in Vegas. You don't think people live there. They just yeah, no, she they lived. There's so many people that work there. It's hot as shit. I bet it was like 100 and, 115 degrees when yep, we were there. Hard pass again. But yeah. the great thing about it, there was no humidity. It's a dry heat, so it's actually better than here hot because you're not sweating. Yeah, 88 here. Yeah, 90 percent humidity. Right. Yeah. Just yeah. Kill me, dude. Best thing about there, the, the Venetian having scotch and cigars at the Venetian. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then there's this place called uh, Herbs and Rye. It's all like uh, prohibition style era. They have cocktails from the 1700s. That's cool. Yeah, like recipes from the 1700s. Uh-huh. And then they do this flavor. Lots of rye and absinthe. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. And they're all dressed. Like, it's really dim inside, like prohibition era style. Uh-huh. And then they have this filet mignon and, and uh, truffle butter sauce that just like. That'll work. Remind me of Chops here in Atlanta. I've never been to Chops. I did just go to Marcel for the first time. Oh, to Marcel. Oh, man, it was good. It was good. I mean, yeah. But then you're like, I could have made this at home. I and could like, never wait. No way I could have made this at home. Oh. What we got. At Marcel, anyway. I mean, it's good, but like, I almost would rather go to Whole Foods, buy a filet mignon, and marinate it myself, uh-huh. season it the way I want, cook it the way I want. Save $95? Exactly. That's why I don't trust uh, food delivery services like Uber Eats or uh, 
You know, all that. I don't want someone that's getting paid minimum wage to be handling my food. They're a pissed off person. <laughs> well, now they do the privacy, the safety stickers on the bag to make sure <laughs> Trevor didn't eat half your fries in the car on the way there. That happened. Apparently, the food just Dude, gets rummaged through and eaten. I saw uh, there was a viral video of a guy that was delivering a milkshake to someone. Someone was too lazy. They couldn't go get their own milkshake. So they had Uber Eats bring him a milkshake. <laughs> and then they had a door camera and it caught the delivery guy taking a few sips out of the milkshake and then handing it to the person and then they walk inside and they're sipping on the milkshake. I'm like, hell no. Uh, I'm a awful. germaphobe. That's awful. I'm a germaphobe that way. I would I would freak out. <laughs> oh, I don't That's disgusting. You know, I drove for Uber like when I was 25 for a couple months uh -huh. and I hated it. I, mean, the, I, I don't like having strangers in my car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, you pick them up, and they're drunk, and you're like, you're going to throw up in my car. You're going to throw up in my car. But, you know, they get paid, like, 250 bucks if you throw up in their car. Seriously? Yeah. What, do you get, like, a, a premium? What, what do you mean? Like, you charge the, the, the passenger? The, Uber or Uber's like, I'm so sorry you dealt with this. Here's $250 to accommodate your... Uber charges the passenger 250 Nice. But what if they don't have 250 in their account? I think child collateral, they've got to have something on them. <laughs> <laughs> they're in your car. Where are they going to go? Oh, man. What, what was this? I like this. This is really vibed out. This is cool. <laughs> I like this. Where are we? We're only 23 minutes in. Do you always do Sundays? Yes. Sundays are easy because there's really no one here. Yeah. Uh, we can drink beer. I mean, they know we drink beer. I just don't like leave it or sitting around. Actually, <laughs> cans everywhere in here. Disgusting. Will you go grab more beer out of the freezer and grab one for yourself? <clears throat> Please? Where is it located? Freezer in the break room. Freezer in the break room. You're doing Facebook Live? Oh, <laughs> uh, she so, grabbing like a pizza too, or you want a pizza? I'm joking. No, no, no. I'm so good. it's so weird for me because I I started all right now that we're finally alone, and uh, no, let's get these pants off. I uh, know, man. Let's get it going, baby. How you doing? Who <laughs> who? No. So I started this thing as kind of my solo crusade, right? You know, try to put a spotlight on the Atlanta entertainment scene. It started off with rock bands, and it moved to acting because there really is no one covering the acting scene here in Atlanta. Like on, like, on a media-type level. Like, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. There are a couple of friends who are doing, like, podcasts or Facebook groups. Um, and then backstage will pretend to... I don't know if they have boots on the ground here, but they'll they'll put out their their notices about what all's going on in Atlanta. And I've never heard of backstage having a presence here, so that surprises me. So this is awesome. And the people that you've had on before me... In the way of me, but those people are legit. <laughs> yeah. They know what is up. No, I mean, and we're, we're like for actors like right here. <laughs> I did Super Psycho too, so I'm kind of kind of hot shit. I've got about a thousand Twitter followers. So I'm kind of <laughs> kind of dope, dude. One of my favorite my favorite thing you did was the scene with Kevin Hart in night school. How did you see that? Because I I know I posted it online, but it, it didn't make the. No, the I saw it in your reel. I, I, that, okay, was cool. funny. So that was funny. Yeah. That was that was funny. fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Did improvising you? with him and he was training for the New York Marathon at the time really and he's producing that film and this was I think the last day of filming and this was supposed to be the very first this opens the movie this is the first thing we see so it kind of sucked that they reshot a whole different opening did you get to know Kevin no we chatted a little no. uh, he's very complimentary but he was he was just burnt no. I think from the training for the marathon which he was like doing I think like the next day or like two wow. days after that yeah um and there's being at the end of, a, of an exhausting shoot schedule. When you're producing is one thing, but you're producing and starring in your own film. I mean, it's his vehicle, right? Um, it's a lot of work. 
Yeah. So I was like, hats off to you. Because he, he's brought it. He brought it, like, every take. What are you doing as a producer on a film? It depends. There are many different hats. If you're executive producing, you're simply putting money at the project. If you're co-producing, uh, you're going to be kind of on hand every day, even if you're not in front of the camera. Uh, you're on hand just to help with production. Um, line producing, you're going to be um, working as a liaison between uh, the production itself uh, and... Uh, oh, wow, thank you. Hooligan. Is that what, that's what that one? I haven't gotten halfway through this one. Nursing it. Line producer is going to be a, a liaison between the production itself and um, say the network or the studio. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, um, no, totally. It's just... It's a very I, loose term, so a lot of people call them a producer, and people, they call people, themselves producers, and they don't do shit. People will go watch a movie, and that's what they see, right? They see, oh, man, this has got to be the First easiest. thing you see are eight minutes of names of producers <laughs> in any film these days. But, like, I mean, people see a movie, and they just don't think about... That's why I, I got acting on the podcast, because, one, I, I am a huge film buff. Cool. I'm, that was my uh, minor... Well, you have taste. I mean, you saw Super Psycho, too. My favorite film of all time is uh, On the Waterfront. Oh, it's a great movie. But then I go, my favorite Rod era. Steiger, yeah. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. My favorite era of film was the silent era. Really? Oh, Charlie Chaplin's The Kid. I could watch that all day. I'm a huge Harold Lloyd fan. Oh, yes. And yes. Buster Keaton, and obviously Chaplin. But um, Buster yeah. Keaton, I, I loved him. You know, his train, train uh, stuff. Uh -huh. what, what was the train movie? Uh, oh, crap. Um, anyway. So, hate that he never made it in sound uh, because, you know, he had a terrible voice and couldn't make <laughs> it in sound. But, oh, dude, I will, uh, I'll go back and talk the first film ever made, The Kiss with Thomas Edison. We'll talk the Lumiere brothers. We'll mm -hmm. talk George Malius, who invented editing. Uh, I'll talk it all. Yeah? Yeah. You know what's going on. I know what's up, baby. How you doing? <laughs> no, don't test me. It's a Scorsese movie. Scorsese movie about, um, about that. About Sasha Baron Cohen was in it. It was beautiful, and I can't remember the name of it. And the train station and the kid. I think they even did a 3D version. And he finds Milliers. Uh Quentin Tarantino? Uh, no, Scorsese. Oh, Scorsese. I'm sorry. I'm That's sorry. That's okay. I thought you said... What was the name of that? I can't remember it. I remember it being beautiful, but... Oh. I don't know. Don't grab me too much. Favorite director, go. Cassavetes. Mmm. John Cassavetes. Um, I am on Tarantino just because... Um, I love his style. Still haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah? Uh, I thought I was the only one who hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I'm not a big movie theater guy. I love films. I just hate going to movie theaters, and the person behind me talking about their day to somebody or, like, you know, laughing uncontrollably yeah, at something. I can't deal. Like, I just spent $28 <laughs> and there was 60 on so, popcorn and a drink. Movies are, are so damn expensive these days. You, know, you can have such a great experience at home. And I do love the theatrical communal experience of watching something together. Mm -hmm. Like opening night. I saw us and Get Out on opening night. And in a theater experience, that was fantastic. Now, do actors get more profits because of increased uh, ticket sales or prices? It depends on where you're at in the food chain. If you're Tom Hanks and you you negotiate taking a less of a payday to get back-end points with Zemeckis on, say, Forrest Gump. So mm -hmm. that makes you as rich as Tom Hanks. You can do that. Um, but no, I mean, for me, I've, I've produced a few films and acted in them. Like, um, one of which is uh, a man, or what used to be called A Man in the Dark, now it's called I Trapped the Devil. Mm -hmm. And we got picked up by IFC Midnight for U.S. distribution. 
Arrow picked this up for UK distribution, but I'm never going to see another dollar from that. Probably. Unless it turned into this massive cult hit and just got rediscovered all over the world and people just buy it. Ten <laughs> copies to each to have themselves. Excuse me. That's one thing. But That's how uh, Jerry Seinfeld, you know, why he makes so much money off uh, Seinfeld because he, he had an ownership stake and he just keeps getting the residuals from there. And now that's, that's, do it. that's why he gets so much more than the other co-stars. And like, cause I was having a conversation with someone that was like, well, if Jerry Seinfeld gets all that money, why doesn't Elaine or Kramer? It's like, because, you know, it's not called Kramer <laughs> because Jerry and Larry David, they were co-ownership of that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why Jerry has $900 million net worth right now. Curb. I love Kirby enthusiasm. Oh my gosh. Yes. So good. Larry David is a genius. Yeah. But people don't understand, like, I think, uh, the like you were saying, contract negotiations and how you have to negotiate for back-end kind of stuff. Like, they think you just, like, these people that make $20 million a film, they just sign a contract and say, all right, $20 million. Not only that, but somebody put up $20 million. Mm. Sony, whatever. They're going to expect a, a return on that investment <laughs> mm. well before it starts trickling down to actors who might have a point or two on the back-end of a film, right? So, I mean, if you're in that kind of a budget, and actors have a point or two in a film, and it does really well. Yeah, you'll you'll definitely see some money. But what if all uh, that original investment has to get paid back before? Mm -hmm. And it's expensive as hell to put movies in theaters. Really? So expensive, very. So, like, say uh, a film has five hundred million dollar budget, and it makes uh, three hundred million worldwide. Uh huh. You. That's you, a bomb. Yeah, you haven't That's made bad news bears. You haven't made anything back, and like you know, the little people aren't going to get anything off that. No, in fact, they'll probably be indentured servants. They'll probably need to go work on a chain gang for the rest of their lives to pay it off. Well, I mean, Michael Cole told me one of the things he said, he goes, you'd be surprised at the number of actors that work to pay off debt. Or like they're working. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. It's expensive to do this because if you're acting, we have no idea where our next job is coming from. We don't have a steady nine to five. Um, if we're lucky enough to make, to qualify for insurance this year, that's one thing. But a lot of people say um, an actor who has got a nice quote and they get a day on a TV show and they're making $1,500 for the day. Yeah, that's great. That might work two or three days a year, mm. right? Um, there's a 1% there's of actors, what you see on Entertainment Weekly and, and all the talk shows and stuff, but the, the rest of us are working stiffs trying to, trying to get by. Well, I mean, Rick writes, I mean, I remember him telling me, he goes, Jackson, you'd be surprised, but he goes, I'm like in the maybe top 3% of earnings for actors. Like, you know, like all of y'all that have been on, like, you know, you have the one percenters, the Tom Cruises and all that. Yeah. And then the people that work at it, they make a decent living. They, they, they live comfortably, but. Yeah, it can know. be done. And thankfully we're in a place where um, there's so much work and access to it. It's also great. And I'm married to a full-time professional. Badass. Phenomenal actor who works her. She's just on fire right now. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah, Claire, uh, like I said, I messaged her, and she's coming in, I think, uh, end of September, early October. Good. But uh, I remember I had Jason on, and I, I fangirled a little bit just because he's on one of my, he was on one of my, he was on probably my favorite show. Vampire Diaries. Is it really your favorite show? I love Mr. Vampire Diaries. Grayson. Grayson. Grayson Gilbert. Grayson Gilbert. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I watched it, like, the first season, but I was like, these people are too pretty. I'm never going to audition for this show. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> Go watch True Blood. F fairy tale. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, one of my top three favorites. I mean, I like, like, How I Met Your Mother and all that, but my ex-fiance got me into Vampire Diaries, and I just fell in love with it. Yeah. And they went 
64 seasons. It's a lot. It's a lot to dive well, into. 64. I that was that was a joke, right? Yeah. Oh, he's got a serious... 13 episodes fit. per season. He's got a, like 900 episodes of Vampire Diaries to, to, to sit And on. I would have watched them all. You <laughs> Only Grace. I was there with one. my Team Damon shirt on and like, Team Damon, Team Damon all the way. <laughs> you know, uh, you, I remember you said earlier in the, in the beginning of the interview, you said in the 80s, Atlanta was a big uh, place for It did. Like, uh, there's this old show called Picket Fences and then I'll Fly Away. Those put a lot of people to work for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, in the heat of the night, uh, which I, I'm sure Panuski must have done. And back in those days, there weren't as big a pool of talent to choose from. So you would see people like Shannon Eubanks or even maybe even Clayton if he was around. That I don't know if he was around at that time, but Wilbur, Wilbur Fitzgerald. You'd see them in <laughs> different roles from mm-hmm. episode or season to season, like playing completely different characters because they could do that. They didn't have the number of actors to choose from. And now you have, like, <clears throat> somewhere upwards of 60 productions a day going on in Atlanta. Or at a time. Yeah, or at, at a time. At a time, they'll yeah, do, yeah. depending on if it's film, they'll usually wrap something up in, I don't know, six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. If it's a TV show, they'll be shooting for upwards of possibly nine months, depending on the number of episodes. But there are there is a lot of work in Atlanta. There's a lot. You know, and a yeah, lot of talent. A lot. There's a lot of reality shows, too, which is surprising. But I think there's, like, four Disney Plus series shooting right now. Um, which th- those are going to be huge. Um, there's, I don't know, three or four Netflix series. I'm leaving tomorrow morning to drive to Savannah to go work on an Amazon series. Oh, wow. Called Underground Railroad. <clears throat> what are you doing for that? I'm playing a doctor. Um, Barry Jenkins is directing. Um, Joel Edgerton is, is in it. It's based on a book by Colson Whitehead, which I never read, but it's historical fiction. So underground in the, in the mid-1800s, obviously we had the Underground Railroad. Mm. But this is a legit actual train underground with platforms, and it goes wow. in different directions. It's, it's it's beautiful. The first two episodes are really, really cool. How long are you going to be in Savannah? Uh, just a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. But I get to work with Barry Jenkins. I'm thrilled about that. He did Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk. I'm, I'm a f- fangirl out on him a little bit. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, uh, <clears throat> I love film, but I'm such a purist in the fact that I love live theater. Okay. Oh, I love going to see plays. Yeah. That's I've awesome. been in 30 myself. In 30 plays? 30 plays. How are you not an actor? What I always wanted to be an actor. What are you doing? I always wanted to be an actor. Like, when I was a kid, uh, my goal was to graduate high school, move to Hollywood, and like you know try to make it. And then I found radio at 19 and got involved. But I always wanted to be an actor. And I mean, I still feel like I could do like be an actor. It's never too late. We have actors uh, who have worked full-time jobs for 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. Now they've retired and they want to get into it. <laughs> I so could have been in class with us. I could have been a contender. <laughs> I could have been somebody. I could. I feel like my personality would be good for acting. Like yeah, you know, you know, like, it absolutely would. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could like get into a role and be like, bam, That's bam, all you need a little to do. spice, a little extra spice <laughs> on it. I don't know. I might try it. I might. I Is might. That emerald. That was em- Emerald Magassi. Bam. Uh, bam. You know, he throws a little, little something extra on it. I miss, I miss Emerald Live. That was uh, such a fun cooking show. But uh, <laughs> you, I'm, I'm sure you've done theater. We all, the four of us who started Drama Inc. all started in theater. Yeah. So I graduated from UGA with a theater degree. Claire went to Nazareth College, a theater degree. Um, Catherine, American American Dramatic Academy, I think, mm-hmm. New York. Has she been on here or just Jason? Yeah. So Claire, Catherine uh, came to Catherine, Catherine was on before. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, the butchering where she went. Uh, Jason, um, Circle in the Square from New York. 
So yeah, we all cut our teeth and have a very rich theatrical background. I um I think do you think any actor should start in theater? Without question. No. Absolutely. Because of the lack of error or available errors. That and just having a connection with another person. Mm-hmm. Um with self-taping, we're literally a lot of times just standing in front of a camera, in front of a blue wall. And people think that I can just memorize lines and be an actor. And yeah, they might have a reader with them. Sometimes you don't. Um, it's just not... Theater is definitely important. Like, and it, uh, it, it, it plants those roots, that foundation. Are you more connected with your co-stars and like uh, on a theater stage rather than on a film set? It's different because you're shooting out of order. In theater, you start... You do the run of the play mm-hmm. the whole time, two hours, hour and a half, whatever, and you're done. In film and television, we're bouncing all over the place, continuity-wise. Mm-hmm. So I'm shooting in the middle of the scene where my wife just tried to kill me, and I'll lose my best friend in the car, and we're having that scene. Uh, tomorrow, I've got to shoot day one, which is the opening of the film, where I'm meeting this woman, and I fall in love with her, right? And she yeah. becomes my wife. It's like, it's just totally different, totally different experience. But as far as the connection to your co-stars um i no i don't i don't find much difference but like say on a theater stage you're standing there and someone like forgets their line they're like oh shit i gotta make this work somehow oh yeah and like you know you're working sorry guys i'm sorry you guys came (laughs) we screwed up (laughs) sorry maybe try tomorrow (laughs) sorry you paid for the ticket we're done (laughs) like you know you if you forget something you got to make it work yeah you know yeah and i like i said being on stage myself i love the or whether I'm like acting on a stage, or uh, last time I emceed, it was uh, at a s- sold out. Or I mean, last year I emceed a sold out Bon Jovi show at Phillips Arena. It was a sold out show, and I'm like, I get out there on stage, and it's so much like live theater. So, and the the stage was in the round, so it was in the center. Okay, and there were people all around me, and I get on stage, and I have my microphone, and it's just me, and I'm like. Shit, that's a lot of people. I bet that's intimidating. And they go, Jackson, you have two and a half minutes on stage. And I was like, that's like an hour. I was going to say, that feels like two hours. <laughs> I mean, like, if you want to, like, just me, like, you know, when a band's just playing, they can, yeah. And uh, so I love live aspect. I love everything I do about too. It's magical, and you're forced to make it, make it happen. Yeah. You don't have a choice. Yeah. And, yeah, film and television, you have the luxury of being able to cut and going again and, you know. You might be pissing a lot of people off and causing them to <laughs> spend a lot of money if you're screwing up that bad or taking that much time up. But, yeah, you don't have that luxury live. No. But you get that that, that purity. Mm-hmm. Like, you get that instant reaction from mm-hmm. a crowd, mm-hmm. and they feel your... Live audience reaction. It's it's magical, especially when a scene is going really well, and you're really connected with your scene partner, and you just forget the audience is there. That's that's something that can't be recreated. Mm-hmm. It's It's... It's a tangible, wonderful thing that happens in the moment. It's like me when I'm live on the radio and, uh, you know, I, I do a break that someone calls in and they're like, and they're interacting with it. Like, it's live. It's right there. It's real time. And, you know, I, I love that. There's nothing better than live something. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think doing theater prepares you for the glory or, like, you know, the, the kind of luxury of film and TV or being able to do cut after cut. But, yes, yeah. if you... I think as an actor, you should start out in theater. Yeah. I mean, I remember uh, one of my favorite plays I've ever seen was, and I can't remember uh, who told me the name of him, Scrooge at uh, Alliance. 
was it Christmas Carol? The one they do Christmas every year? Carol, yeah. <clears throat> it's wonderful. It's beautiful. Yeah. I haven't seen. Well, actually, I think they're going to be doing their first one back since the Alliance got their renovation. Mm-hmm. Beautiful renovation. Yeah, yeah we I, saw it a couple times before they had to go up to the uh, Cobb Energy Center for mm-hmm. like one or two years. Yeah, that was my uh, my Sean Gore role. I played Scrooge in a Christmas Carol in a play one time. Yeah, bah humbug. You there, boy? What day is it? <laughs> it's Christmas Day, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Like that 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 kind of like thing seeing live is just so much fun. Like seeing that like like as an audience member. Yeah. Like and at Christmas too. That's just a wonderful, magical time of year to put on a show like that too. That it's better be when it's snowing along with it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Indoors. But then but then in uh in Atlanta we're such bitches with uh two inches of snow our our city shuts down. It's supposed to rain. <laughs> you remember in the car? You remember two inches of snow and there were cars parked on the highway that in like 2014 nuts. or something like that. Oh my gosh! Yep. And then the whole country is making fun of us. Saturday Night Live did a bit about it. Yep. Because <laughs> we had like two salt trucks at the time. Yeah. yeah. That was that did was covering not. the whole city. Wildly underprepared for that one. That you was know, crazy. So many of the actors I talked to, they never. It wasn't the plan to be an actor. Uh, they like. Um, I wanted to be an animator for Disney. Really? Yeah, for the longest time until um, middle school and going into high school. And <clears throat> you know, it's funny. I got bullied a lot in middle school and going into high school when I quit the football team because mm. I was I played a lot and extracurricularly. Uh, not people I really liked hanging out with. Um. So I would get bullied a lot after I quit. <clears throat> so I'd find myself running and hiding in the theater at, at, in high school. And I got looped into like running a follow spot in the light booth at one point because I just kept going in there. And they're like, you want to do something? You want to you get involved? Like, sure. If it keeps me out of the hallway for a little while, <laughs> what do you need? And I'd run the follow spot on uh, South Pacific. I don't know if you know that show. It's a mm-hmm. musical. And during the whole run, I was like, they look like they're having so much more fun. This is much more fun. This dark-ass booth. I want to do that. That looks fun. And that was kind of how I started and fell into it. But then there was never a plan B. It's like when I went to UGA in 94, I was like, this is what I'm studying. This is what I'm doing. And then I got into all the theater classes in high school and after that. But yeah. Thanks, bullies. <laughs> I got bullied in middle school too because yeah. I was um I I grew up in a small town and I was the rich doctor's kid in Blairsville. Yeah. And my dad was the town doctor and in middle school yeah I was I was bullied not by a, I I was I was played all the sports and all that it would be like the, was it a financial thing, like a status thing? That they're like, oh, you're the doctor's kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd be like, oh, Jackson, you know, thinks he's better than everybody. And, you know, in high school, I was the... You're like, yeah, I am. My dad's a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I was like star athlete. And it changed in high school, but in middle school, yeah, it was tough. Middle school is tough years. It is. Yeah. And now but, they have social media. Yeah, oh, oh my, my God, God, dude, I... Can't. I, I don't know how kids do that. Like, you know, you got bullying online, which people don't think... You don't escape it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can hide in the theater. <laughs> From bullies, but if I'm pulling up my phone while I'm in the yeah. theater and I'm getting there's a flame war happening about me and my life, and I'm on my phone watching this in real time, like it's awful. Like I don't like being like I googled you, and I don't know if you googled me, 
But I, I mean, I don't like having all my personal shit online. Like you, there's like ten pages on Google dedicated to me, and yeah. like I get so much hate sometimes. Like someone wrote into the rock station the other week. They're like, "Hope you die a slow, painful death, Jackson. You fucking suck." And I'm like, "All right." And then uh, <laughs> one other dude was like, "Hope your wife cheats on you and gives you AIDS." And I was like, "Ha ha! I don't have a wife." <laughs> so suck it. <laughs> Hashtag thoughts and prayers. Why are there so? Why the vitriol? What? I don't know. People just like just want to because you're the on-air personality, yeah. and they can anonymously say whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I never Google myself, and I also try not to read reviews of stuff that I've been in and mm -hmm. do because that, that can be help painful, it. man. That can be real painful. I just can't. My help favorite it. review of I Trap the Devil is quote hot garbage. <laughs> I was like, wow. Thank you. What is your most uh, proud moment as an actor like project you've worked on that you just poured it all into and you got everything back on it probably this one i trapped the devil yeah yeah um it used to be called a man in the dark and i love that title so much more but um it's a just a really special project and we had fifty thousand dollars to make this movie actually it turned into a hundred and then a little bit more like 125 after that but we shot in the dead of winter in sheridan wyoming i was with one of my best friends aj bowen who's a genre sweetheart you probably recognize them in all sorts of stuff um he's one of my best friends and we've been making movies for again like with jacob for mm -hmm. about 20 years um and met some new wonderful people like eight to ten of us literally making this feature we shot nine days in this house um and this is like uh, the big definitely the biggest role i've ever done and it's a it's basically a starring vehicle for for me mm -hmm. um it's a great story. We ended up getting Chris Sullivan to voice the devil. Oh, wow. And his voice is phenomenal. I, I highly re recommend checking it out. It's streaming on Hulu right now, so you can mm -hmm. watch it if you have Hulu. I do. And it's great. If you like horror movies, um, this is it's great. I think it's really, really good. I'm proud of it. Hot garbage. Hot garbage. Is that what the review was for? Right. I dropped Quote. the devil. Hot garbage. <clears throat> it's great. I don't, I don't wanna I don't I don't get scared very easily though. This is more psychological thrill. This is okay. not straight up horror. All right. You know something that did freak me out? The strangers. I love Dude, that, that movie. movie was a little freak. That's one of the best horror movies of the past ten years. Easy. Yeah. I Easy. mean, because it's like that's it was a true story. Wasn't it? Or was it based on real events, I think it said. I, and, but also Blair Witch said that. So yeah. I, I don't know for yeah. sure. But it looked like something that could really happen. It looked like real life, you know, not yeah. Freddy Krueger coming into your house. Yeah. Like it's actually stalkers. Unsettling. Yeah. And then, like, when they're in the, and what, who's that uh, actress? Uh, Liv, Liv Tyler? Liv Tyler, yeah. Oh, such amazing. Yeah, she's uh, great. Like, and she's got Speedman. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Like they're in the kit, like uh, Liv Tyler's in the kitchen, and she is like looking First around. Time we see him, <clears throat> and he's yeah. right there in the uh -huh. back. Oh my god! <laughs> like, that was so good. I remember the first time I sat in the cabin after that. I was like, "Lamping <laughs> <laughs> like, from now on." <laughs> <laughs> and then the ending, man. Like you think they're gonna get out of it, and they're just gonna Dark, like, man. like Dark. there's gonna be this like great ending, and then just. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, phenomenal film. Yeah. See Hereditary. Mm -mm. Oh. I saw it opening night in the theater, and I haven't seen it again since. It came out about a year ago. Ari Aster wrote and directed it, and his new movie, Midsummer was just playing. That was great, too, but Hereditary was just the most unsettling thing I've seen in a very long time. And there's imagery that I have never shaken from seeing it. 
over a year ago once in the theater. I like to see things multiple times. There's stuff you pick up on. Always. Yeah. When it's rewarded for multiple viewings, I love that. Mm. But I haven't, I haven't gone back and revisited it. Favorite Highly film. recommend checking it out. Favorite film of all time. God, that's so hard. Yeah. Probably Raiders. Raiders Lost Ark. Really? Probably. It's up there. I used to say When Harry Met Sally for the longest time, and that's definitely in the top five. You know what? Uh, oh, what's the freaking film? Not Castlevania. Um, Vampires? No, it's uh, considered the greatest movie of all time. Oh, Casablanca. Casablanca. <laughs> Castlevania. I love it. Yeah. Casablanca, overrated. Right. Overrated. But they're vampires in Casablanca. Yeah. They're in the subtext. Sub <laughs> overrated film, in my opinion. Overrated? It's, it's interesting generationally like because I, I love it but I don't think it's the best film of all time but a lot of people don't say that about Citizen Kane and that's arguably for so many people the greatest film ever mm -hmm. made and it's incredible he's 26 when he wrote and directed that film it's wonderful but I I don't know if it's the greatest of all time I don't it's know how, how, who decides that right yeah. you know what a, a big um, transitional film was for me Blade Runner OG yeah did you see this, the sequel, 2049? Mm. Seriously? It's uh. fucking incredible. <clears throat> really? Kids are going to be studying this in college. I swear to God. It's phenomenal. Mm. Definitely I, worth checking out. With the one Ryan Gosling started? Yeah. yeah. I miss <laughs> 90s Adam Sandler. Dude, Billy Madison, <clears throat> arguably, in my opinion, one of the greatest comedies, Ever. contemporary comedies yeah. of all time. He's opening the so second scofflaw. Hot garbage. Hot garbage. You can't say that about my sponsor. <laughs> that was Hot related to my film, not this beautiful, beautiful hooligan beverage. Which That's is a great delicious. can. I know. I love the feel. Yeah. That it's almost like a fiber, almost like a textured, like a fabric. No. You know what's funny about Adam Sandler, and maybe you can give more insight to this. He went from making these hilarious, great films to now it seems like he's just cashing in. I will say, in his defense, I have not seen... Oh, God, he did the, a Netflix... Something on Netflix. Murder Mystery. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I haven't Actually, seen that pretty yet, decent. But it was, some, it was more of a drama. And I feel yeah. like maybe Dustin Hoffman was <clears> in <throat> with him. And it was like Dustin a, Hoffman was in the, um, the one he did before Murder Mystery. Um, did you see Sandy Wexler? I I didn't finish it, but I did uh, see I did see some of it. <laughs> but I'll say um, he gave of that year, which I don't remember what year this was, one of my favorite performances in Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, I was like I fell in love with him. He was incredible, and he proved that he has chops. But then after that, he started comedy. making all the Cash Cow movies. He does a lot, like Jack and Jill or Pixel. He does a lot of yeah, because um, he's such a big one. He plays the de little uh, the devil, little Nicky, little Nicky. Yeah. But you've also got Happy Madison. Yeah. Well, Happy Madison Productions. So Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. Excuse me. Brilliant. That was hysterical. I was a Big Daddy fan. His movie, oh, yeah. Big Daddy. Yeah. yeah. But what's so funny about Adam Sandler, he can make bomb after bomb, but he's so bankable that he can totally. still get, he can you know, whatever he, wants. he can still get all the A-list, you know, high-profile actors to come act with him, and Netflix is still going to give him hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars. So it's Adam Sandler. Yeah. So it sounds like Adam won. Yeah. He got that point where I go, 
He's like, I'll make three bombs in a row. I'll still get, you know, hundreds of millions to yeah. make a film. Oh, man. I can't think of the title. It was him and Don Cheadle. And he lost his wife. And That was Punch Drunk Love. No, not, no. It's a, it was another drama. But he oh. holds up in his apartment, doesn't leave. He becomes a recluse. Yes. And he just plays uh, Shadow of the Colossus all the time on this giant wall. I love that game. I don't know if you play video games. I love video games. Um, and that was a beautiful film. I can't think of the name of it. It was great. Wait, but you play video games? Oh, yeah. But see, I can't sit still long enough to play them. Yeah, I can. I get so I'm, bored. I'm, I'm, I'm a professional sit stiller. What's your favorite uh, video game? God, favorite of all time. The Last of Us is up there. What is that? Post-apocalyptic uh, survival story of uh, a man trying to escort this young girl who could be the cure to this fallout of <laughs> what's <laughs> become. Uh, did you ever see Children and Men? Bring it back to the films. Yes. Somebody saw Children Met. Yes. Similar to that story where Carlisle Owen is escorting this girl mm -hmm. and, the, you know, the factions of terrible people trying to prevent that from happening. God, I love that movie. I love Clive Owen. Oh, he's great. Yeah. The, See his episodes of Extras? Mm -hmm. Did you ever watch Extras? Oh, mm -hmm. my God. Brilliant. Ricky Gervais is a half-hour HBO series. And you like actors in filmmaking. Ricky Gervais <laughs> plays a background actor, and mm. it's about their world and what they deal with on set. And Clive Owen does an episode. You just have to watch it. It's brilliant. I love, what was the uh, Knights of the Round Table movie uh, Clive Owen did? You know, where he played? One of the Knights, I'm assuming. I don't know if I saw that. Oh, man, no. It's uh, first, not first night. First uh, night. I saw that in the theater. I worked at the theater. I think I've seen that with Sean Connery. Yeah. <laughs> Richard yeah, Gere. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, what night. was this I movie? I about that so long. That Clive came out the same time as Philadelphia. And I watched Philadelphia a handful of times. You're aging yourself right now, Scott right? Boythrus. King Arthur. King Arthur. With uh, Clive Owen. Thank you. But Executive producer with the win. <laughs> <laughs> with the assist. That's not the one um, Charlie Hunnam was in, was it? No, that King was Arthur. a very recent one. That was pretty good. Yeah, kind of Charlie Hunnam's a good actor. He is good. What? what? He's great. Ah, uh, she just loves him so much. <laughs> I'm sure that's why you like him, his acting chops. Should see the way they're looking at each other. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. You're thinking thirty thoughts, and that's not allowed on the Scope Podcast. <laughs> you're thinking of porking this man. Oh, <laughs> and Charlie Hunnam will not be porked. <laughs> Charlie Hunnam is to be respected. He does the porking. <laughs> you know, with my girlfriend, I uh, she gets my humor one hundred percent, and thank God she does because we'll be like jokingly arguing, and I'll be like, "Babe, you better listen to me. I do the fucking." <laughs> I do the fucking <laughs> scufflaw. Scufflaw. <laughs> I'm not going to say that to my wife, who you're going to have here in a few weeks, it yeah. sounds like. Or we'll be arguing and she'll say something, or jokingly arguing, or she'll say something like, hey, you talk to me like that again, I'm going to backhand you to the face, baby. And like, she just gets it. She knows I'm joking. So I'm like, thank God she does. She gets it. She told her twice the first time. <laughs> She so got a concussion on a trip of ours. But, uh, oh, I thought you were going to say it by the back of your hands. Like, oh, my God. Like, like a month ago, we were at uh, my best friend's birthday party. And she went to bed and she hit her head. Like she, we were all drunk. and she, She's still with us, right? She is still with us. She is. <laughs> she's, in in the, she's in the room right now, Scott. <laughs> her presence is known. What are you talking about? 
I miss her so much. And uh, she got a concussion, and people ask me how it happened. I go, she just got a little too mouthy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Careful. The room you're in. Yeah. Drop bombs like that. Of course, you're, yeah, you're fine in here, I guess. She's a pro, too. She doesn't get offended by anything. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> so... All right, here's the thing. When you become an actor, <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you go into the business, and a lot of people get typecasted really quick. Yeah. So when you go in to be an actor, are you focused more on what the industry wants you to be or what you want yourself to be? In the beginning, what I want to be. Um, but then you quickly realize, wait a minute, I'm not being seen as that. So the quicker you can discover how others see you, the better <clears throat> you can tailor your headshots, tailor the way you walk into a room, tailor the way you approach certain projects. So the key to getting typecast is getting cast, mm. right? You're working. So in the beginning, yeah, I wanted to be like the um, whatever leading man. I'm, I'm the I'm the comedic relief. I'm the funny best friend. I'm the I'm the disheveled, frustrated chemistry teacher. Like people just see that, so I can play that. I'm fine with that. It works for me, but. but the more you do that and the more casting sees you as a certain type, the more they start to kind of challenge themselves to see you do something a little bit out of your range. So let them do that for you. It was, like, it was like Jason Statham immediately got typecasted as that, you know, particular role. Oh, yeah, he totally does. Yeah. Every role. Right, yeah. but now he's so much more comedic. Right, in the beginning it was, where did he kind of jump on the scene? Transporter. Snatch? Transporter. Yeah. Just the... the the old ass motherfucking don't yeah. give a fuck. You throw you through plate glass window. It's all he does. But now it's like <laughs> stand up comedian with with the Rock. And yeah, they're in these Fast and Furious films, and and, here's and another, he's actually really funny. He's oh, great he's, he's great. Yeah, I, I I I don't like where the Fast and Furious franchise is gone. I haven't seen them all. Uh, there's too much CGI now. Yeah. Like I love the first one. I love. Oh that my, film. A phenomenal film. Family. But how much family? How much acting are you doing on CGI in front of a green screen? Surprisingly, a lot. I mean, it depends on the coverage that they're getting, what's happening in the scene. If you're, you know, in a car and it's a wide shot and that car's going over a bridge and it's exploding, but it has to connect to the train car and then loop around on a chain, you know, not much. But if it's a tight shot and it's an important scene and you're with your best friend, you're about to Thelma and Louise and drive off a cliff, yeah, you're definitely got to bring it. It's just like... There's, I remember that Fast Five, there was a scene where Vin Diesel jumps a car across three bridges, and like, I'm like, how are you doing? Aah! And he's like hanging from a hook, like, you know, somewhere. It's like, <laughs> like we got to make it! This is my Oscar. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I always wonder, like, being on a set and, like, having CGI around, like, how much acting was actually going on there? I've done some, not a whole lot. A lot of it's just been um, just far, far background, not necessarily pivotal to, uh, I don't know, it's all pivotal, but I have, really haven't done a whole lot. I certainly haven't worn any motion capture suits. I haven't done anything that extensive with CG. It'd be how, fun. When you... When you're an actor, is it how important is it to hone on what you like? You were saying you're you're this particular guy, you're this particular role. How important is it to hone in on what your kind of specific specificity is, specific type is? Like, what's your <clears throat> focus? <clears throat> Excuse me. Or do you want to try to be everything I all in of, one? I don't, no, you can't. You can't really. You can't really do that. 
unless you're Tom Hanks, you can or you're Johnny Depp, and you have the luxury of choosing a certain script so you can play that role. Nobody's going to come to me. They're going to see me as something. But um, it's kind of something you you discover over the years just by being cast and what you finding patterns, roles that I typically read for. A lot of academics, professors, teachers, uh, doctors. Um, mm, the shady guy, hit that a lot. Like the guy you're not totally sure you can trust because he might have a certain agenda. I haven't trusted you this whole time. That's why I keep the pants on. <laughs> Jackson does the fucking. Right. Jackson does the fucking. <laughs> Damn right. My baby knows that. My bitch's nose. Oh, I just saw it, a, a dust bunny. Is that her? She's going to haunt me. She's haunting you. I hate camping. At least you didn't get in the water. You know what? At least you didn't get in the water. I did not. I'm, I'm not getting in that water. You can't pay me to get in that water. You're not naked. Not naked. <laughs> I'm not hanging brain for, like, you know, that disgusting <laughs> ass water of Lake Lanier. Hanging brain. <laughs> What's Claire up to today? Uh, she just landed in Los Angeles. She is out there for her premiere of season three of Mr. Mercedes, mm. which is based on the Stephen King novel. Um, they're having their premiere Tuesday or Wednesday night, so that's why she's out there. She did 10 out of 10 episodes on this season. Wow. It's the third season. They shoot in Charleston. They shoot in Charleston. Nice. Yeah, she was, she was working on that for months. Yeah. Uh, how did you and Claire meet? She was doing a, a measure for measure at a place called the Art Farm, which now is um, some luxury condos in Cabbage Town. But this was a rundown fire hazard of a theater. Mm. It shouldn't have been standing. And they were doing, yeah, a production of, it was a hip-hop version, updated contemporary version of Measure for Measure Shakespeare. I saw her in that. I was like, I want that. I want that. I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that. Scott Poitras does the fucking. Claire's going to hear this. That was Jackson who said that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, doing theater, and then we um, got involved with independent film here. Mm. <clears throat> I pursued her for a year in the friend zone. So she didn't like you, she didn't agree right off the bat. No. Uh, Scott had to work for it. Yes, I did. She's much better looking than you. I was gonna say, and now you know how hard it is to convince people this is my wife. They're like, I'll see that marriage certificate, please. <laughs> <laughs> She's no. awesome. She's crazy talented. I've, I've She's on fire. She's uh she has two films. Uh, premiering at Toronto, TIFF right now, Just Mercy, that she worked on with Michael B. Jordan, and Harriet, about uh, bringing back to the Underground Railroad. Harriet comes out uh, in a few months, and she worked on that. Nice. Yeah. Here's my uh, my girlfriend. That does not look like a ghost at all. <laughs> Pretty. Yeah. What's her name? Aisha. Aisha? Aisha. A-S-H-A? A-I-S-H-A. Pretty name. Yeah. Yeah, she's a, she's a doll. <clears throat> she's a little free, more free-spirited than I am. I bet she was a wonderful person. She was. She was, uh, she, she lives a long, happy life. <laughs> and, uh, no, I, terrible. I, I love dating in my 30s, though. Yeah. Dating in your 30s is so much better than in your 20s. Because you're both a little more established. You know who you are more. You know what you want. Yeah. There's no bullshitting. We just celebrated 15 years last Wednesday, Thursday, nice. on the 28th, August 28th, whenever that was. 
And we didn't have really social media when we were starting. It's certainly not Tinder and those those apps. Oh, I was the I king of online imagine. dating. Yeah. I was, but go ahead. I just, I, I don't know. I pray I never have to be out in that world. It's again. a dangerous world, man. Like I, I bet. In over two years, I dated over 200 women. Mother of God. Yeah. Off Tinder and Tinder and I've never been in a, a room, the same room with 200 women. I don't think. Maybe at Phillips. <laughs> yeah, I, I went on, a, I dated over 200 women, whether it was for a couple dates or like, you know, a month or whatever. But yeah, 200. I spent a that's lot of money. All the, that's all the women. I spent a lot of money that I didn't need to spend. <laughs> I racked up a huge credit card bill. I used to take women on weekend getaways and like, I'd meet them like on a Monday and be on a Friday, but hey, we're going to uh, Tybee Island for the weekend. We're going to Savannah for the weekend. Tybee's great. I love Tybee. Best breakfast place in the world, the Breakfast Club. Yeah. What are two things uh, you should know how to do but don't? Drive a stick shift and have a firm handshake. I, I had Wait, your, but I don't? No, I know those things very well. My dad instilled these things in, at an yeah. early age. I'm saying people who don't have these luxuries, have these qualities, should, if they don't. I'm asking that, but you, that's what not are, what you're asking. What are, what two, are two that you, I do not have that I what, should? What are two things you should know how to do but don't? Tie a bow tie. Oh. Or a Windsor knot. I haven't looked into it. I don't wear ties. Yeah. I don't wear collars. <laughs> <laughs> you don't wear pants. I don't even own a collared about. shirt. I had to inform him that you're supposed to wear a collared shirt when you golf. Really? You, uh, well, even if it's an Izod, I know they have the collars on an Izod, like the short sleeve. Yeah, like I, so I okay. played a Chateau Alon last weekend with my girlfriend's dad, and and like on the second hole, he's like, "What are your intentions for what my the daughter? What the fuck are you doing here?" I'm like, "Dude, you couldn't wait till the back nine to ask me what my intentions are for your daughter. You asking on the second hole? Look at this shirt. All right, this motherfucker." <laughs> No, nice guy. Super nice guy. <laughs> but yeah, we played Chateau a lot, so I, I had to go buy a collared shirt because I didn't own one. They probably have them in the gift shop there for yeah. just yeah. this occasion, don't they? Yeah, but I'm not going to spend. $200. Yeah, I'm not going to spend. That. I went to Nautica and bought the knockoff, like, you know, clearance item polo at Nautica. <laughs> didn't have sleeves. I bet you looked great, though. Had a collar. It didn't have a collar, so I was good. <laughs> I don't I, I It's funny. I used to be the preppiest person you'd ever met in your life. I used to be penny loafers, khaki pants, nice. Lacoste sweater. Oh, what a douche. <laughs> what a dick. What a dick. Doctor's kid. Doctor's I know. But my dad calls me his his uh, best little princess. His little soldier? His no, what? Best little princess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's incredible. He calls me and my brother his princesses. He goes, nothing's too good for my princess. <laughs> 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 he'll always that would force you to have a good sense of humor growing up he'll always be like y'all were the most spoiled little bitches that I ever came across you know but I, but I love you dad you kept us you kept us fed you kept us clothed kept you alive you know, kept you, you out of Lanier Lanier gosh if you uh, if you didn't have to worry about money or a job what, what are you gonna do wow and where would you probably, live probably travel I've yeah. done like almost zero travel I've never been outside of the United States same Really? I've been to Mexico twice. Oh, wow. But we're literally just on the other side of the border with a mission trip. So we're building houses for people who live in their own feces. We were not in Cabo no. enjoying, you know what I mean? Like destitute people who just needed help. Um, 
other than that, I have a blank passport. What? I do too. Current passport. Good through 2027. It's blank <laughs> as balls. It's crazy. <laughs> I can't believe neither one of you have been outside of America. No, I... I've been to Mexico. Did I mention I've been to Mexico? <laughs> For the feces Canada. people? Oh, that's not true. Uh, the other side of Niagara Falls. And we went into a casino because my wife, Claire, is from Rochester. Mm. And we took a trip uh, there to Niagara Falls for some reason. Why were we there? We didn't go into the boat. You know the boat that's mm. down there? The uh, kind of name. I can't think of the name of it. Beautiful. It's incredible. It was in uh, Bruce Almighty. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was like Qu- Queen of the Sea or some. some yeah, yeah. It's got a name like that. Yeah. But yeah, we went into a casino on the Canadian side. I won 15 bucks on Blackjack. Nice. And I bailed. It's like, quit while you're ahead. I lost $1,000 uh, last time I was in Vegas <laughs> in four hours. Oh, uh, That's a good time. That's hilarious, yeah. But I want to go to, like, London, or I want to go to... I definitely want to go to London. I want to go to Italy, yep. or, you know, like something. I want to go to Wales. Be- I want to go to Scotland. I want to go to France. I want to go to Spain. I definitely want to go to Spain. I want to go to Barcelona. I want to drink a beer in a pub in Dublin. Yeah. You know what also would be awesome? Tokyo. I bet that would be incredible. Shanghai. I hear they have a great metal scene. Really? I never yeah. got into metal. Yeah. I wouldn't know. I would just. I was interviewing Judas and Priest, cry. and he was telling me that. Yeah. They were telling me that the metal scene in Japan's huge. I interview a lot of rock stars. Yeah. Yeah. Like from that seat, I've had uh, Rico Cassick from the Cars. I love the Cars, dude. I've had love. Phil Collin uh, from Def Leppard. Wait, uh, Phil Collin. Phil not Co- Phil Collins. No, no, Phil Collin, the, the drummer for Def Leppard. Okay. And. uh Wait, no, the, Phil Collins. See the. No, Rick Allen's the drummer. Sorry, Phil Collins, uh, the guy who doesn't drink in Def Leppard. Okay. The guitarist. Yeah, I had Rick Allen in that scene, uh, Brent Smith from Shinedown, um, Ian Anderson from Jethro Toll. Oh. Now you can tell people you had Scott Poitras from My Scott Super P- Psycho Sweet uh, 16 Part 2 in this chair, and they are going to shit. They're going to shit their pants. <laughs> Shit, no. they're rock star pants. No, I, that's what I love. I just love having conversations with people. You know, shooting the shit. Yeah. Where were we on? What were we talking about before we got on? Traveling? Traveling, yes. I uh, Australia would be amazing. Do a walkabout. New Zealand would be incredible. Maybe just go to Outback. Just name or, countries. Go to Outback, order a signature no, sirloin. Oh, Maybe not with y'all. I don't want that medium rare. <laughs> Maybe split What'd a blue and onion. <laughs> Tilson, kangaroo fur. Tastes like ass. Oh, my God. There's a restaurant, and I think it was called the Sunburnt Cow on the Lower East Side of New York, and I tasted Vegemite for the first time. Oh. That tastes like... Vegemite? Do you know what this is? Yeah, It's yeah. like a, the the customary yeah. black spread of Australia. They put it on everything. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. You only get three words to describe yourself. What are they? Wow. Scofflaw, hot garbage. Uh, Scofflaw pot garbage. Hot. Oh, hot. Hot, hot Scofflaw uh, garbage. Hot. Uh, I don't know. That's tough. That's a tough call. If you want a different question, ask me. Mm, ask you to get a different question. No. Could I get a different question? Top three tips for being an actor. Wow. Do not compare yourself to anyone else's journey. This is a marathon. A lot of people, especially with social media, compare themselves to, I just started acting that guy, and now he's so far ahead of me, or for whatever, if that's how you 
how you think. Don't compare yourself to anybody. <clears throat> Find your tribe. Find a network of people, of like-minded individuals who are better than you to learn from them. And be patient. The if you really want to do this, be patient. If you want to get famous, go do something else. Respect the process. Because everyone thinks they're going to go into acting and be a Tom Cruise or a Tom Hanks. and It's just a look. Yeah. The starring role's going to land in my lab. I mean, it's only a matter of time. <laughs> All the work is here. It really is. This is the number one filming destination, yeah. isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah. Of the world. Of the number one in the world? Of the feature. Feature. Yeah. Wow. Television, I think, is still uh, New York or Los Angeles. But, yeah. If you had two, what are your two biggest weaknesses? I'm really ticklish. I hate. I hate it. I hate it. Oh, tickle monsters coming out now. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest weaknesses. Uh, I can be very indecisive, and I hate that because I waste so much time. God forbid I bring up Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime. I have eighty thousand choices. I don't know what I'm in the mood for. It takes me forever. I'm like, too. fuck it. Two hours have passed. I'm just going to go read a book. Love, I can't decide. I don't know what I want to watch. Love uh, the show Marin on Netflix. Mark Marin? Yes. Yeah, it's like really centered around his podcast. Yeah. And it's a really good show. He's You watch Glow? I've never seen Glow. Oh, my God. Is Tonight. Is That's your homework. Okay. okay. He's incredible. He is phenomenal in the show. Uh. Yep. They just went three seasons. The last of which... You can answer that if you want. I mean, I'm just Scott Poitras from my Super Psycho Sweet 16, too. Uh, answer your fucking phone. <laughs> Hello. Hey, man, we're outside. Interviews at two. I thought we said one. No, two. Do they know what they're going to do with themselves when uh, they find out I was uh, sitting I, in the seat? I, I'm here, man. I'm in an interview real quick. I'll be down there in uh, a little bit. Okay, that's fine. All right, man. Bye-bye. Right, it's all wow. good. I literally was not planning on going two hours. Oh, no, no. We're going <clears> to <throat> keep going. You've already got all my gold nuggets. We're going to keep going. I told them two. Freaking kids, man. They're going to lose their mind when they find out who is sitting here. Oh, they're, they're going to free. Can you film it? Yeah, she film, filmed for the podcast. Film them learning who is oh. sitting here oh. and post that. It's going to go viral. Oh, yeah. I, my, hear my name. Alone. <laughs> I've had eight of my interviews go viral. Really? My ones for the rock station, like uh, with like Judas Priest, White Snake, and uh, all them. Yeah, they go viral. I had a tweet get like eighteen likes once. I was like, "Oh wow. my god, I'm famous!" Pin that to the top. Yeah, pinned. <laughs> you know, what? here's here's the funny thing. They said that they they go. I thought we said one o'clock. What's one eighteen? You're pretty late. Yeah. What if you did say, yeah, we did say one. It's 118. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Door's locked. I got someone else on. I have new friends. <laughs> and we might go to Lanier. We don't know what we're going to do. Some flesh-eating bacteria. Hey. You know. what, what's, if you, like, obviously, <clears throat> you've never perfected acting. No one will. No, no, one, no, ever one, will. Ever, no one ever will. But if, I, if there's something you need to work on yourself, what is it? Like, you see for your, yourself. That's a really good question. And there's so much. I'm terrified of improv. Really? That probably means I should do it. That probably means I should like get into improv class. I should, I should try to do a, a stand-up course. That terrifies me. Stand-up terrifies me. And I love this. And I know I can be funny, especially with people like, who are much funnier than me. And, and I make them laugh. So, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm funny. I can, I can like hold my own. But in an, a class environment or in front of live audience... 
getting up and doing two minutes at Phillips, a solid five at Punchline or something, I would. That makes me tremble. Well, Which you, probably means I should I should probably look into it. If you if you had ten minutes on stage to make uh, people at the Punchline laugh, like yeah, you'd be freaking out. Totally. See, I totally. do stand up comedy. I do. Do you? Yeah, I just for, for sure. Just for so, fun. do you have bits that you've been working on, and you have a, a set, or is it all just? It's just all as I go. See to your pants. Yeah, I I don't do it very often anymore. I do it like maybe a couple times a year now, whereas I used to do it like a couple times a month. And uh, I don't know. It's just my way of blowing off steam. Good for you. you no, know, because if you suck, you suck. Whatever, you get off stage. You're great. right. What I mean, yeah, yeah. It's always you, next time. You didn't like ruin people's lives. Yeah, but the pressure, I would imagine, is like. Oh, the pressure! Well, it's easy to make people in a, like your buddies in a bar laugh. Yeah, but when you uh, when you've got to make people laugh, With the on expectation purpose, like okay, yeah, make me laugh, dance monkey. Will what I laugh? You, I don't know. You're like, what Shit. can you do to impress me? <laughs> Which is better, asking for permission or asking for forgiveness? Forgiveness. For show. But like, what if the, what if asking for forgiveness is like gonna get arrested? But what if they say no when you ask for permission? No, like me and Asia, we went to a uh, Seasons Fifty Two for a date night the other night. Is that a restaurant in Buckhead? Yeah, and uh, and then we snuck our we scammed our way into this big condo building by me uh, pressing Just like the call box and strangers like, where they live. Yeah, I, I called this guy David Kirk. Shout out to David Kirk. David, you out there? Because Enjoy the uh, scuffle. He, uh, I pressed the call button because we wanted to go to the rooftop. Not like a rooftop okay, patio so or bar. I mean a roof. Like this. And like over 45 degree pitch. We just thought it'd be fun. It was a drunk as hell. It was a 50 story building and we stood on the roof of it. And so I called David Kirk and I'm like, yo, David, man, I forgot my fob, man. Uh, can you let me in? He's like, oh, no problem, man. Thanks, so, bro. I'm pretty sure I left it up on the roof. Do you have access? <laughs> <laughs> and so we take the uh, elevator all the way up, and then we see this door that says, rooftop access prohibited. You will be penalized by the full extent of the law. And we're drunk, and we're like, ha-ha. <laughs> and so I, I, the one thing I learned from the Hangover film, always wedge the door open on the rooftop access. Oh, no. You get locked. <laughs> No, no, I, I, okay, I wedged good. it open. Okay. That's what you I were like from, in hindsight. Yeah. And, after uh, this experience. And so we were on the rooftop of this 50-story building, like standing on the roof. In Buckhead? Yeah. But the view was incredible. Oh, it was incredible, but like we were drunk and like standing on a roof, like no rooftop patio, just like standing on like, the top of the uh, the upside-down V. And uh, <laughs> Did David come out there with you? The David, <laughs> we didn't see anybody the whole time. But I was like, damn, we could have literally died. I mean, I won't go. I won't go into detail. What it's happened? Highly probable. Yeah. You could have. Yeah. I mean, I won't go into it's detail. It's no linear. But it's yeah, no linear. Could have fallen. But uh, I mean, that rooftop was on fire. <laughs> I mean, let's tell you, that rooftop will never be the same again. <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been smudged. A priest has come and said a blessing over it. But man, I remember I I was just standing there and like she would stand up. I babe, please do not fall. This would be a terrible thing. <laughs> This would be a hard one to explain. Yeah, it'd be tough. Uh, tough to live that down. Gosh, I want to have you back again. It was fun. I'd love to do it again. Was it fun for you? Yes, of course. Yeah, we drink scofflaw. Like, we talk like movies. Would tell you to your face if you had the stuffiest time either. Why would you say that? I'm just saying. No one would actually tell you if they didn't enjoy themselves. Lame. Lame.
Hard pass. Rick pass Wright. again, hard pass. Rick Wright's called this one of the greatest times he's ever had. Oh. Wow. Yeah. He wasn't lying, Lindsay. How many hooligans did he drink? Three. That's I'm sipping my second. That's why. Oh. Rick Wright showed up uh, an hour and a half late because his garage door broke. I almost called you because I um, had to stop and get um, air in my tires. Huh. I didn't know we'd just start drinking at noon. So I figured I probably I could show up at 118. <laughs> like your, like your Wait. new friends. Wait, is air in the tires? I mean, like cigarettes or something? No, but I did smoke for a long time. Uh-huh. Yeah. I did my too. dad did it, so it was easy for me to pick up He's in college. So, so I smoked for a long time. You Shut definitely up. have a smoker. I can hear it. You what? You have a smoker's voice. I can hear it. He pretends like he doesn't smoke. And, then and I pretended for a long time. My dad pretended my last 20 years. I don't have a smoker's voice. Smoke. This is just my voice. Okay. Reds? Parliament. Parliament lights. Parliament lights! That's my shit. That was my shit for so long. It's 17 years, man. Now they're $8.50 a pack. That's a big reason to stop. Yeah. We can't, can't afford to smoke. I don't smoke like every day. I you also do not can't smoke do every it day. anywhere. Like, it's like, and I was a slave to it for the longest time. I was like, you know what? These don't own me anymore. And I just, cold turkey stopped. Nice. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I used to be a dipper September too. 2012, my last one. Used to what? I used to be a dipper. Really? Yeah. Grew up in Blairsville. I was yeah. going to say. Everybody dipped. Yeah. yeah. Chaw. Chaw, yeah. So how did you, how did you quit? You just like. Just, just stopped. I think it's a, a very like, it's a mental thing. It's all mental. Yeah. And then finding something else to do. Right. And that time that I used to go outside and smoke. Masturbation. And you're sitting. Yeah, just pulling off. Yeah. That's all you do. Just like, I'm good. It gets painful when you have to do it 11, 12 times a day. <laughs> but I smoked a lot. I was like, yeah. I was just so tired of being a slave to it. Yeah. I hated it. Wake like, up no, in the morning I with done. that taste in your mouth. And, yeah. Yeah. And the money. And literally, there's nowhere to do it. There's no place where you can smoke. Except for like the lounge at Hartsfield. Not even outside is safe anywhere. It's it's yeah. crazy. Hey, you remember going and, to like going to like an O'Charlie's or Applebee's? Yeah, the smoker section. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. They still have some of those in uh, really? some of the restaurants. Yeah, depends on the county. I think it's a county thing. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's a different world we live in, Scott. It doesn't bother me. In fact, I like being around it sometimes, unless it's too much. Like I've got a righteous, you know, righteous room mm-hmm. next to the plaza. It's all smoking indoors. Mm. So it's like depending on who's in there and how much smoking has been done at the time, it can be overwhelming. You know, I think, I, real quick, we're about to wrap up. Um, uh, Rick told me, all of us, like as I have all of you on, we've got to do grilling scotch and cigars. I like those things. You know, Not a huge cigar person, but it's rare. I don't remember the last time I had one. Right, me, I, I'd you, one sure. me, you, Panuski, Wrights, Landy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, Clayton Land, you know he's going to enjoy a cigar. Uh, <laughs> Clayton's a badass. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So uh, I, I love delving into the acting scene, um, and I've getting a lot. I get a lot of questions on the podcast. Like people, like, can we talk more about self taping, or can we talk more about like you know shot sequence? And we've done that, and we we answered a lot today. Um, really, this was a ton of fun. Thank you for having me. This was cool. Was this more? Uh, have you ever drank beer on a podcast? Yes. Damn it! I haven't not drinking beer on a podcast. I've only done like four, huh. but this setup is definitely what's up. You had the best time great. here on the Scope Podcast. On the Scope. Thank you, Scuffla. Thank you, Scuffla. Thank you, Jackson. Thank you, Lindsay. You did such a phenomenal job, Lindsay. Thank you. You really did. You killed it. Killed it. All right. Uh, I can't wait to have Claire on now. Yeah. yeah. She's going to love it. Y'all going to have a blast. She does not drink beer. I'll tell uh, you that. I'll have a bottle of wine for her. Yeah, rosé. Rosé. Definitely love some rosé. I'll have some rosé for her. Yeah. 
I'll drink a rosé with her. Or maybe gluten, uh, like cider. She loves ciders too. But mainly, oh. yeah, she loves a rosé. Yeah. Oh, well, we would, me and her will get all fancy. Yeah, you I can gal pinky pal. just went up. I can gal pal like crazy. <laughs> I'm a fan of Vampire Diaries. Come on now. <laughs> and she was too. Uh, I don't think she finished the whole series, but yeah, y'all definitely have that to talk about. I'd be like, girl, what's up with that cute husband of yours? How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott Poitras, episode number 87 of the Scope Podcast. Dude, you got to do one thing for me next time you come on. Yeah. You got to wear something tight, baby. You got to wear something tight. These underwear. Ooh, who do you think? It's not getting tighter than this. I want a tight shirt. I want some tight pants. <laughs> wear something tight. <laughs> <laughs>